0: Worship is not a matter of going through the motions just to please God. It is really about giving God what he wants out of reverence for who God is and how appreciative we are of the relationship we have with him. It all starts in our hearts, which leads to obedience to his word. Hi, I'm Fami Ossiman, a preacher in the Church of Christ. And in today's sermon, Worship Matters, we will analyze 1 Samuels 13 and 15, looking at Saul's worship and how through it, he ruined his relationship with God. Hopefully, his example causes us to look at our worship and understand the severity of it. Worship impacts our relationship with God And also it gives insight into the faith that we have to the God in which we worship. A lot of times we confuse worship with what we do during worship. You can appear to do the right acts of worship and your worship still be wrong. So that's why it's important as we consider our worship that we're making sure that we're giving God what he wants in it. Because when it comes to what we believe, especially in the Churches of Christ, is that we have the right acts of worship. So we sing, we pray, we give uh, back alms, we, we uh, commune. But that doesn't always mean that our heart's in the right place. And we can do everything that appears to be right and invalidate our worship because our hearts, are not in the right place. And sometimes people worship with the purpose of trying to get God to bless them, get God to do something for them because they have worship, which will not garner the result that you want. So as we think about this, it's important that our practices are also in line with obedience. Obedience. Because that's the depth of what God is calling us to. Not just to do right, but to be right in every aspect because we're doing it based on what he told us. Because if we don't, we do not know the blessings that we're really blocking when we don't worship properly. We don't know what God will really do for us when we worship right if we haven't done it. And all this in the back of our minds, I would like us to consider Saul. Because as we're going through the book of uh, Samuel, 1 Samuel to be exact, we have come across the selection of this first king. And this is what the people wanted, to lead them out to battle so that they could be like the other nations, so that they could have somebody who would take them out and bring them back in Because they didn't realize that God was their king doing that already. And so God gives it to them. And what Saul does that causes him to err is found in the way in which he worships. So we're going to read two passages. The first one, he does everything that he's supposed to do in regards to the acts of worship. He doesn't worship to a false God. He just doesn't do it obediently. And then he's told that God has found somebody else because you're not listening to me. Because of his worship, he loses the kingdom. His family won't forever have a son to reign over the kings of Israel because this act of worship gave insight really into the obedience he had to the God who blessed him with it. So God gives him the throne of the kingdom and he loses it in his worship to God. And then in 15, we see that he for surely loses out on the kingdom because what he has been told to do, he negates. And where he goes wrong as he takes these things that appear to be blessings, that appears to be good, and he goes and says, I was going to offer this as a sacrifice and worship to God. And he for surely loses the kingdom. Bro. Worship. Not the fact that he worshiped the wrong God. So he was in the right place, but his heart wasn't right. And that's important for us to hear in the church because it's not going to another church to worship. It's not denominationalism. It's not not worshiping the right God. It's being where God will call you to be and not doing what he calls you to do, which causes people to lose out on salvation. So we know that those who don't worship, they they don't have a shot. Those who worship wrong, by doing the things that God doesn't ask, that they're wrong, but there's also a warning for those who worship whose heart is not right that we must heed. So let's look at 1 Samuel 13. We're going to read a few verses there, and then we're going to read the whole entire chapter of 15 because I want us to put in our minds exactly what's going on. So 1 Samuel 13, starting at verse number five. The Philistines assembled to fight Israel with 3,000 chariots, 6,000 charioteers, and soldiers as numerous as the sand on the seashore. They went up and camped at Michmash, east of Beth-Avon. When the Israelites saw that their situation was critical and that their army was hard-pressed, they hid in caves and thickets among the rocks and in pits and cisterns. Some Hebrews even crossed the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. Saul remained at Gilgal, and all the troops with him were quaking with fear. He waited seven days, the time set by Samuel, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and Saul's men began to scatter. So he said, bring me the burnt offerings and the fellowship offerings, and Saul offered up the burnt offering. Just as he finished making the offering, Samuel arrived and Saul went out to greet him. What have you done? Asked Samuel. Saul replied, when I saw that the men were scattering and that you did not come at the set time and that the Philistines were assembled at milkmash, I thought now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal and I have not sought the Lord's favor. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering. You have done a foolish thing, Samuel said. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. All Saul did was worship offered a sacrifice to God a little bit before the time that Samuel came. And it's in this act of offering up a sacrifice because of fear that causes him to lose out on the blessings of having a son to reign over Israel perpetually. His worship got him messed up. 1 Samuel 15 Samuel said to Saul, I am the one the Lord sent to anoint you king over his people, Israel. So listen now to the message from the Lord. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I will punish the Amalekites for what they did to Israel when they waylaid them as they came up from Egypt. Now go attack the Amalekites and totally destroy all that belongs to them. Do not spare them. Put to death man and woman, children and infant, cattle and sheep, camels and donkeys. Very specific instructions. So Saul summoned the men and mustered them at Telaim, 200,000 foot soldiers and 10,000 from Judah. Saul went to the city of Amalek and set an ambush in the ravine. Then he said to the Kenites, Get away, leave the Amalekites, so that I do not destroy you along with them. For you showed kindness to all the Israelites when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites moved away from the Amalekites. Then Saul attacked the Amalekites all the way from Havilah to Shur near the eastern border of Egypt, and he took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive, and all his people he totally destroyed with the sword. But Saul and the army spared Agag and the best of the sheep, the cattle, the fat calves, and lambs, everything that was good. These they were unwilling to destroy completely, But everything that was despised and weak, they totally destroyed. Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel. I regret that I have made Saul king because he has turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. Samuel was angry and he cried out to the Lord all that night. Early in the morning, Samuel got up and went to meet Saul. But he was told, Saul has gone to Carmel. There he has set up a monument in his own honor and has turned and gone on down to Gilgal. When Samuel reached him, Saul said, The Lord blessed you. I have carried out the Lord's instructions. But Samuel said, What then is this bleeding of sheep in my ears? What is this lowing of cattle that I hear? Saul answered, The soldiers brought these from the Amalekites. They spared the best of the sheep and cattle to sacrifice to the Lord your God, but we totally destroyed the rest. Enough, Samuel said to Saul. Let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Tell me, Saul replied. Samuel said, although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel, and he sent you, on a mission saying, go and completely destroy those wicked people, the Amalekites. Make war on them until you have wiped them out. Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? But I did obey the Lord, Saul said. I went on the mission the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back Agag, their king, the soldiers took sheep and cattle from the plunder, the best of what was devoted to God, in order to sacrifice them to the Lord your God at Gilgal. But Samuel said, replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams for rebellion is like the sin of divination and arrogance like the evil of idolatry because you have rejected the word of the lord he has rejected you as king then saul said to samuel i have sinned i have violated the lord's command and your instructions i was afraid of the man and so i gave in to them now i beg you forgive my sin and come back with me so that i may worship the lord but samuel said to him I will not go back with you. You have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you as king over Israel. As Samuel turned to leave, Saul caught hold of the hem of his robe, and it tore. Samuel said to him, The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to one of your neighbors, to one better than you. He who is the glory of Israel does not lie or change his mind, for he is not a human being that he should change his mind. Saul replied, I have sinned, but please honor me before the elders of my people and before Israel. Come back with me so that I may worship the Lord your God. So Samuel went back with Saul and Saul worshiped the Lord. Then Samuel said, bring me Agag king of the Amalekites. Agag came to him and changed and he thought, Surely the bitterness of death is past. But Samuel said, As your sword has made woman childless, so will your mother be childless among women. And Samuel put Agag to death before the Lord at Gilgal. Then Samuel left for Ramah. But Saul went up to his home in Gibeah of Saul. Until the day Samuel died, he did not go to see Saul again, though Samuel mourned for him. And the Lord regretted that he had made Saul king over Israel. Saul, in his attempts to worship God, causes him to separate himself from God. His worship is the reason that he blocks the blessings that God wanted to give him because his worship was wrong. And it's a warning for us. Or those who worship God, because it's not just a matter of doing the right things, which Saul did in that he worshiped the right God. He got the, the, the proper things to sacrifice to God. And even one point he says, I got the best and offered it up to God. And the person looking on the outside would say, what's wrong with that? But what God will reveal to Samuel is that it's not based upon obedience. Saul was using his worship as a means to try to get God on his side so that God would give him what he wanted. Saul was utilizing his worship as a way to appease people so that they would not put him in dire straits, so that they would not leave him instead of worshiping so that, God would be pleased and he wouldn't worship God. I mean, he wouldn't leave God by being disobedient. Listen to the things that Saul says causes him to worship incorrectly. First Samuel 13, 8 and 9. This is what Saul says. Eight. Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and Saul's men began to to scatter. So he said, bring me the burnt offerings and the fellowship offering, and Saul offered up the burnt offerings. Why? Because the people began to scatter. People leaving you is not a good enough reason to rush and worship God on your terms. If a person is not going to be waiting and patiently waiting on God and a person not going to do what God instructs, those who have faith in God should allow them to go. Because the number of people does not dictate their correctness. Large crowds is not a sign that your worship is ordained by God. You know, what's a sign that your worship's ordained by God. Doing what God says. What was Saul to do? He was to wait for Samuel. He didn't wait. And as soon as he finished worshiping, what happens? Samuel arrived. <laughs> it's kind of interesting. Samuel says, wait here seven days. And when I come in, then, then I'll tell you what to do. Saul, he waits. Part of that seventh day, but he doesn't wait the whole day. And as soon as he finishes worshiping and doesn't do what he's supposed to do, that's when Samuel comes. And then he's told, what have you done? The people were leaving. As a church, we should not be in a rush to appease people. Because when you do that, you're going to mess up the blessings that God really has in store for you. What happened? This kingdom was removed from his lineage. What else does he says? He didn't worship at the appropriate time. Look at 11. When I saw that the men were scattering and that you did not come at the set time, you see that, He was told to wait for the right time to worship. We do not determine the time to worship. Saul said, wait for me. Scripture shows that on the first day of the week, they came together to worship God. So we cannot come out here and say, you know what? Let us choose a day in which to worship. Let us choose a way in which to gather crowds. Because when we do that, what does that focus on? Us. It takes the focus away from God. It takes, it takes the faith away from from God and puts it solely in our own actions and what makes us comfortable. We're not chasing crowds. We're not determining the times. We don't determine the emblems that's utilized in worship. All we do is we go to God for what he has told us to do, and we do it. And we can't let our worship be a response to what's happening in the world. You see what he did here? They were scared because the Philistines were encamped around them. So they go to worship so that God will protect them. It's like when people are going through hard times in life and they had no need for God when they were doing good, then they start going to church so that they could get a new job, so that they could get a blessing so that they can get something that they feel that they're missing out on because they understand that if God doesn't do something, then they're going to suffer. That's not why you worship. You don't go to worship because the Philistines are encamped around you and you feel that if you don't worship and do something for God, you're not going to get protected by God. No, you worship because that's the appropriate response of being a child of God. No matter what's going on in the world, it doesn't determine us going to worship. We don't say, I'm going to go to worship because I'm I'm at a bad place in life. No. You go to worship because you're a child of God. You do what God wants because that's what he told you to do. And you don't allow the crowds, you don't allow the world, you don't allow anything to determine your worship other than the word of God. And then we also, in understanding that we're trying to please God, we can't determine the value of what it is that's worshiped. We just give it to God because he tells us to. Listen to how he evaluated what they offered to God in 15 and verse number 20. But I did obey the Lord, Saul said. Did he? No, he didn't. God said destroy everything. I went on the mission the Lord assigned me and I completely destroyed the Amalekites. Now, listen to this, this contradiction. I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back Agag their king. <laughs> I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back Agag their king, the soldiers took sheep and cattle from the plunder, the best of what was devoted to God, in order to sacrifice them to the Lord your God at Gilgal. I completely destroyed them, but I brought back their king and the best of the plunder. (laughs) But it's completely destroyed. But what was the purpose of doing this? So that they could sacrifice it to God, so that they could eat some of the cattle that they were going to sacrifice. Because that's what happened in the fellowship offering. You sacrifice a portion to God and you, you ate a portion. And so this is what they were going to do with what they were supposed to completely destroy. Worship. Sacrifice. To God. And it's wrong. And I will go out on a limb and say... If we're going to give something to God the best way to give it to God is give God something that you do not benefit from in any way in one of the Proverbs if you lend to the poor who cannot pay you back God will repay you you give something that you do not expect to get back in any way God will take care of you they gave so that they could partake of some of the spoils. A lot of times people give to their congregations so that they could benefit from their offering. So I give so we get a nice church and then we look good. I give so that we get uh, something new in the building. I give for this ministry that I'm a part of, and I benefit partially from what I gave. I'm not saying don't do that, but what I'm saying is there lies a danger in it because part of the reason of the motivation that some people give to that is so that they could be benefited from what God is telling them to give for my purposes solely. And don't worry about you. Because I'll take care of you. Destroy the Amalekites totally, utterly. What did it say? Destroy the man, the woman, the children, the cattle, the oxen, the sheep, everything. Don't bring back the king. Don't bring back the best of the plunder, the worship, the sacrifice. To me, get rid of it. Because I don't want none of it. Because I remember when you guys were coming up out of Egypt that they came behind you and they fought and they destroyed some of you as I was trying to lead you to the promised land and I said remember this because I'm going to utterly destroy them and God does that in the days of Esther under her uncle Mordecai but Saul misguided thinking that he could give God something that he told him to destroy loses out on this blessing of having a son to perpetually be on the throne of God in this method of worship. It's not the fact that he was worshiping the wrong God. It's not the fact that he was trying to implement a standard or a, a, a new method of worship. It was the fact that he was not obedient to what God said. And that disobedience displayed itself in the worship. You know what kind of led Saul to the wrong way? Sometimes leads other people to the wrong way. 1524. He says, I have sinned. I violated the Lord's command and your instructions. I was afraid of the man, and so I gave in to them. At times, we're tempted because we live amongst people to allow people's influence to weigh more on us than God's. And so trying to appease, trying not to be put in a situation to where we perceive that the harm that man can do will be greater than the harm that God will do to us, we fear man and do what will get them off our back, and we violate what God asks us to do. So in the context of worship, what that looks like is As a leader of God's people, you don't lead them, you follow them. And you allow the congregation to dictate, to determine how you are to be before God. So Saul, I could just imagine the influence that they had on him, the peer pressure as they go out to the Amalekites and they're destroying everything and their eyes get big and they see that they've totally routed these Amalekites and they got all of these good possessions. <laughs> they're like, hey, Saul, let me bring this back. <laughs> let me get this sheep. That one looks fat. I'm going to take some. You take some. We all get a little bit. We've destroyed it, right? And we will go offer this up to God. We'll give him the best. That lame animal, just go kill that. But this one right here, Let's, let's take this and we'll sacrifice it up to God. It's going to be sacrificed to him anyway. We're going to worship him. And then the people influence Saul. Led astray. Because of their evil inclinations. And so that's why, as as, as those who are, are looking to do what God wants, we cannot let the culture determine how it is that we follow God. Because they're always going to look for things, for methods, for what benefits them. Let us do this in worship because I like it. Let us do this in worship because it benefits me. Let us do this in worship because we look better. And then you got away from what God said to you. God told them, destroy everything. But they say, we'll sacrifice it. Some of it will go to God and some will go to our bellies. But we'll be benefited from what we give to God. And he'll be benefited too. Because this is some aspect of worship, but it's disobedience. And then what else? We get down here. In 1530, the last time that Saul goes worship, I mean, Samuel worships with Saul. What does he say? I have sinned, but please honor me before the elders of my people and before Israel. Come back with me so that I may worship the Lord your God. You see, what Saul is trying to do is he's trying to put on a good front. We never want to do that. We want God to look down at our worship as he looks at our spirits and sees that we're doing everything in spirit and in truth no matter how anybody looks. And so we don't worry about others' judgment, assessment of us. Why? Because our worship is not for them. Our worship is for God. So we don't fear their opinion of us. We don't do things just as a show so that people will say, hey, you did a good job. Man, I really like how you led that song. I really like how you prayed. I really like how you presented that word. I really like how you're wearing that suit, how you wearing that dress. I really, you look good. No, that's not it. We come to God with contrite hearts. We come to God with the spirit of humility, knowing that God is looking at the inner man because all of these outside things, they could throw everybody off. I could, we could come and say the most eloquent speech at the communion table and our heart's not in it. Somebody could get up here and lead songs with the, the most harmonious vocals and their heart's not in it. Somebody could pray, and that prayer could sound so good, but their heart's not in it. Somebody could preach, and they talk so well that everybody is amen and everybody is into it, but their heart's not into it. And if that's what we do in worship, and we're not doing it for God, and we're doing it to appease man, we're doing it so that we could benefit from what we give back, and we're doing it because... We are scared that if we stand up for God but go against man that they're going to do something to us that will put us in a position to where God can't protect us? Our worship is wrong. And it will look right to everybody except for God and those who God is revealing it to through the Spirit. And when we get in that position to where we recognize that there is something off about worship, if we're not going to correct it, we need to separate from those who do it. Look at Samuel. What does he do? He goes up to Saul that last time. And then it says, Samuel never went to see Saul again until he died. When I actually, Samuel left for Ramah. But Saul went up to his home in the Gibeah of Saul. Until the day Samuel died, he did not go to see Saul again, though Samuel mourned for him. And the Lord regretted that he had made Saul king over Israel. Samuel mourned for Saul, yet he never worshiped with him. You see, we can recognize somebody's doing wrong, and we can... We can mourn for them and want them to do right, but we cannot participate in that same foolishness because it'll put us in the same boat as them. So the best thing we could do is try to teach people and exemplify the people what God is wanting from us as those who have worshiped him. So with all of these things that indicate that, 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 that we're supposed to avoid so that our worship, while it looks on, right on the outside, but is corrupted on the inside, what is it that we can do to ensure that we're worshiping God right? I think it's simple. It's what Saul was instructed by Samuel. What does he say? Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? Just obey God. Because if you're obedient to God and if you obey him, your sacrifices will follow. Your offering will be right. But you can give a lot to God and be wrong because you're not obeying God wholeheartedly. And we see that. And so if we're going to do what God wants, we must obey his word. Wait seven days until Samuel comes. No matter what it looks like you wait. Destroy everything because God told you to do so. No matter how good it looks, no matter the value of it, no matter who wants what, destroy it. Why? Because God told you to do so. And when you do that, then that makes your sacrifices, your worship, worthy. Take away the obedience, you've done nothing but appease yourself. And that's the boat that a lot of people are in, just going through the motions, and we don't ever want to be in that boat. We want our worship to God to be a sweet-smelling savor, So we do what he asked wholeheartedly, not just in appearance, but with a perfect heart. You see, it's better to obey than to sacrifice, because that obedience is better than the fat, fat of rams. And when we don't understand that, we don't see the depth of what we have done wrong. What does he say? Rebellion is like the sin of divination and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. We wouldn't put it in those terms today. We would just say, oh, he's just a little right. I mean, he's just a little bit wrong. It's not that bad. But God says that's like divination and idolatry. To see something that God tells you to do and not to do it, you have made yourself God. You have took in worship, and when you put it in your own terms, trying to get something you're trying to utilize this to, do, to 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 put God in such a way to where he has to pay you back for what you did that's never going to happen and so as we consider actually trying to be God's children and receive the totality of the blessings that God has afforded us we must value worship properly and never do what we want if it's not according to God's will and when we're doing what God tells us to do make sure our heart's in it as well because it can look right and be wrong and the only one who can evaluate that is God and when we're right before God it doesn't matter what anybody else says because we have done what God wants and we have given our whole heart to it. We worship him in spirit and in truth. And when we see him on judgment day, we can truly expect a reward, an eternal one, because our obedience will overflow from these pews into the rest of our lives. And our worship will be a way of life not just an activity that we have done one, two hours out of the week because we understand what God has called us to and we understand the blessing that God has afforded us but when we don't worship right we will never know the true depth of all the blessings that He'll give us because our heart is inclined to Him. <laughs> What's interesting in all of this is that While Saul is still a part of this story in Samuel, we see that he's very brief in it because his worship causes him to lose out on what God wants. And the rest of this story where Saul is included is him battling, striving to keep what God has already taken away. So our worship is wrong. That doesn't mean that we'll be punished that very day. But the wrath of God will still be enacted on us and that punishment we'll have to live with. And we will never be able to give back what we lost with the wrong heart. The rest of that story is really focused on Saul being replaced by David. And Saul doing all that he can to keep a throne that God has said is not yours because your heart's not right. He never was an idolater in the proper sense and what am I saying I'm saying is let's make sure that we're doing what God wants because God could give us long span on earth and we're not going to see the real reward of heaven and we're still where God is calling his people to and we're still fighting against him justifying it in our own minds So unless we get our heart all the way right with God we can't be right with God and that will extend past our worship and our life and we won't find ourselves fighting against God in any aspect because his will is going to be done with or without us I would rather his will be done with us and that's not going to be determined by how it looks determined (laughs) by, by God's assessment on it my prayer is that as we continue to to grow, that we see where it is that God is calling us to in our lives and that we manifest that. And that if we have problems, that we have somebody that we can go to and we're in constant prayer. We have ups and we have downs. And that's expected in this life. But we have a God who's with us through all of it. And it's not determined how man sees it is determined how he does. I'm not sure where that sermon leaves you. My prayer is that you will contemplate it and incorporate it into your Christian life. If you're not a Christian, I ask, what's stopping you? God sent his son, Jesus, to freely extend the gift of salvation to all who will follow him. To get that salvation... One must follow the example set out in Scripture. The book of Acts, which details the church's beginnings and expansion, shows us biblical examples of those who were saved. A good place to look is in Acts 2. You get Peter preaching the first gospel sermon and the response of those who heard and believed his message. They repented and were baptized, which added them to the church Christ established. The Bible only teaches of one church. If you want to be added to it, go to your local Church of Christ and tell them your desire to be washed of your sins and to live a godly life. Study your Bible, put its teachings to practice, and you will make heaven your home.